0: You can't have a life where happiness is all tomorrow. You know, do this and do this and work this and do that and happiness will come tomorrow. Well, what if it doesn't? What if something happens to you? So I believe it has to be a combination of some clarity about where you're going and what that looks like for you, but also the awareness, Renata, to be able to celebrate so many of the small successes that bring happiness along the way that I think a lot of people are not noticing now because it's so easy to get sucked into the negativity that is just floods our social media, floods our TVs, floods our news, floods our advertising. One of the things I teach people is you gotta feed your brain positivity deliberately.
1: Renata Bernardi, and this is the Job Hunting Podcast, where I interview experts and professionals and discuss issues that are important for job hunters and those who are working to advance their careers. So make sure that you subscribe and follow, and let's dive right in. This episode is a discussion with Gary Ryan, the author for Yes for Success. This book right here, if you're watching it on YouTube, I'm showing it to you. Our goal is to help you unlock the power of your mind to enable professional success. Gary's new book focuses on explaining how our brain adopts what he calls mental models and being aware of them as well as learning how to use them is crucial for your professional journey. Whether you are on the hunt for a new role or you're feeling stagnant in your career progression, understanding the deep-seated beliefs that guide your decisions is crucial. Gary's insights will illuminate how to navigate career crossroads with confidence and clarity. When I am with Gary, I am reminded that the journey towards career fulfillment often begins within our own minds. By recognizing and reshaping our mental models, we can unlock doors to new opportunities and pave the way for success, a success that aligns with our deepest values. So thank you, Gary, for empowering us to take control of our career narratives with such practical and profound wisdom. You've been doing this for Longer than I have and I really trust your coaching and I trust your thought leadership. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Let me know what you think. Remember to follow us wherever you found us and for ongoing career support and great guests. You can also subscribe to my newsletter. The more people on my newsletter, the bigger this project becomes and I am so proud to say that we have thousands of professionals now signed up for the newsletter it means that you will never miss a new episode and you will always be reminded of your career plans and the fact that you need to be investing in them and developing them and working on them carving out time for them throughout your career so you can find the link to sign up to the newsletter in the episode show notes. Without further ado, here's my conversation with my friend, Gary Ryan. Gary, I feel so bad that we're recording today because it's such a special day for you. You received many boxes of your new book and here we are. I feel like I'm between you and a glass of champagne.
0: <laughs> well that's going to come a lot later i've got it because i the whole lot of that first order are all sold so really i've got, really? yeah i've got to get them out so we've got more more orders oh
1: that's fantastic which is great that's great yeah. and who bought your book so early in the piece are they corporate clients that are buying for their employees or are they just individuals that are buying for themselves
0: so, 60% are corporate clients that have bought it on behalf of teams. Okay. And which is not really what I was expecting, but delighted yeah. about. And the other 40% are individuals that have bought it that way. Now, you mentioned that you got a copy. Did you get it through Amazon? I
1: bought it in Amazon. And the reason why I bought it using Amazon is because I have a feeling and I could be wrong. So correct me if I'm wrong. If you want to write a review on Amazon, you have to buy it on Amazon. And I wanted to do that for you. That's my gift to you.
0: Yes. Yeah, well, it's a great gift because that's already there and it makes a big difference. So, I mean, Kindle's cheaper. I don't know if you like Kindle versions. I didn't though, have so. access
1: to Kindle. I, I had the option of a hard cover or a soft cover.
0: Not with Kindle no, as well?
1: but remember, it's not the first time that this happens. Maybe there's something wrong with my Amazon because when you launched your last book, the, the Leadership Matters book, I also had trouble buying yeah. it. So I think it might be, could it be my 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 amazon because my amazon is all over the place sometimes i access the uk amazon sometimes i access the u.s amazon so it could it could have been that i was in the wrong amazon platform
0: so not australia you don't go oh no i do i do
1: i just don't remember which one i used to buy your book
0: Yeah, because Amazon had my book up until yesterday in three different spots, or was it two days ago? It was very recently. had it in two different spots, three different spots. They weren't together. And and I'm like, oh, no, they need to be together. So I contacted them and within less than 12 hours, they put them together that I could see. So I'm like, yay, they've got them together. But okay, because, yeah, because the Kindle version has been available for probably nearly a month now. Oh, okay. Um, But I don't... Yeah, but I don't know who gets Kindle. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was the 9th of October. Yeah, it was actually it's a month now, because it was the 9th of October when we launched uh, with Kindle. But then the the whole I had some delays with Ingram spart because they're my global distributor for the for the book that's purchased anyone through anyone other than uh-huh. me. So I I don't know who the I don't know who the purchases are. I don't know how many there are. Is it like a six month delay before I get the data? Yes.
1: Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, and- one day, Gary, one day we're gonna sit down, you're gonna teach me how to write a book. <laughs> I'm not there yet. I'm just well, too I'm- lazy for that.
0: <laughs> that's not true. You are no way you to- you would have an awesome It's a book different
1: theory. way of working that I it's too long form for me. I don't have the patience for it. Yeah,
0: but what if your book was just a collection of your articles? Yes. That you're already reading? that would work. That um- could work you would you would have easy 150 pages worth of worth of you know if the top 50 articles or posts or whatever you want to call it with a slight amount of tweaking, yeah. you've got the book's already there. I
1: know, I really mean,
0: because I think a lot of your audience would love to see that in one resource. Just quietly.
1: yeah, no, you're probably right. I just don't want to do it myself. I'll probably have to get a research assistant or somebody to just compile and curate all the the work that I've done, all the transcripts. <laughs>
0: That person's in Upwork just waiting right now. <laughs> True. They're there. They are. You know they're there. They're just uh... waiting for it. You, obviously, you know, and, and I, I did experience some hiccups this time around with Upwork. Do you use Upwork?
1: No, I don't. You know, I I have been very lucky and fortunate to hire people in the Philippines to work for me, and I keep them forever. So I've been working with Estella since day dot really. I, I hired her yep. on if anybody is interested, and we're keeping this audio. I'm not sure what we're keeping at, but we hired Estella. <laughs> um oh gosh 2019 i think it was and listen to this estella who now does all my facebook ads and all my ads she had worked at accenture she has an engineering degree (laughs) and wanted to work from home so she could raise her little girl and i'm like yep let's work and then after doing ea work she would do everything she said, no, I really just want to mm-hmm. do Facebook ads. I want to have other clients. And I'm like, of course. You know, that's your your mm-hmm. you know, professional goal. I'll back you up. So she now has several clients and, and I'm one of them. Then I hired Camille, and Camille has been with me two plus years now. And that's that's what I do. But I I would probably need to find somebody at up work to, to do that research work. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm yeah. not. I'm not sure what you pay in the Philippines, but Upwork's not mm-hmm. cheap. Like it's not cheap. It's not like Fiverr because it is. It catches me every time because it's in US dollars. I often end up hiring people that are here in Australia.
1: I didn't even know that as Fiverr as was cheaper did. than Upwork. That's how ignorant I am. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, but the quality is not there. Oh, yeah. But uh, but I did get someone in Upwork this time, which had never happened before. That accepted what like up front looked fantastic accepted this job and then but they wouldn't so they verbally like sorry they written it's all sort of messenger stuff they had messaged and accepted the job but didn't accept the job inside mm-hmm. upwork yeah and I hadn't accepted the offer which is what it's called yeah. and i'm like you need to accept the offer That's how this works. It protects us both. Oh, yeah, I forgot, I forgot it. And this went on for three days. And then I did some research on Upwork's offers not being accepted as the question mark why. And I I saw online people use it to avoid bad feedback when they accept a job that they can't do, and they're buying time to research it to then do it if they can. But because the milestones you've set, so in this case, my milestones were getting passed and missed. But because they hadn't accepted the offer, mm-hmm. I can't give bad feedback on a milestone that didn't actually exist. So they're manipulating the system. I see. Yeah. So I, I sent some feedback to Upwork about this particular person mm-hmm. for doing that behaviour and and quickly worked it. So I thought I had to fire them. Well, I didn't really fire them because I never of hired course. them. But I had, go, I had to go back to the market and find something. And what and sort of person was, were you looking to
1: help you with? What was the work?
0: the work was so the person who created my cover ah. wasn't able to produce the cover in a format that ingram spark would accept I see. just couldn't do it and i was helping this person out by giving them the task of the cover design yes. they've had a bit of a hard time blah 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 and you know they came to me and said i'll do your cover and i said do you, do you really know how to do it I said, yeah i've never done it before but i'll learn on blah 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 yeah. and I, you know, I took a bit of a risk and it, it bit me a little bit, but they still did a great job, but in the end, it was just causing delay after delay because they couldn't deliver. I so then, mm. I, then I then I had to go to the market because I did I couldn't find I didn't find out that they couldn't deliver until Ingram Spark rejected the files and said, no, this is not meeting our standards. And I look at that stuff and it's just gobbledygook yeah. to me. You know, <laughs> you because <your laughs> there's a lot of along this journey with the typesetting and the and and even the epub versions for Kindle there's there's a lot of technical things that get in the road of delivering when you want to get this project mm-hmm. delivered Renata so mm-hmm. anyway we I managed to go back to ravi who who created my epub version which is for Kindle and Apple books and I didn't realize that he knew how to do the covers as well and I went back to him and just said oh do you know how to do this and he goes yeah and he ended up being less than half as expensive oh, as wow. well. that-
1: Um, lucky so that's so very interesting just so you know in the future a lot of people ask me this where did i get my logo done for the job hunting podcast and i did it using a design platform called 99 designs have you heard of them 99 designs is awesome it's australian but it's now global. It's like a Canva thing. It started here, but everybody uses oh, it. Yeah. And it's ex- equivalent to Upwork for design. So if mm. you want a podcast logo or a book cover or a website, anything that's design related, you can go there. And this is the thing you say, I'm willing to spend $200 and this is all mm-hmm. I need. So you give all the specs. Mm. And then it's a crowd funding thinking a crowdsourcing thingy you will get like 10 20 different designs and then you can choose from them and it's amazing i feel really bad because so many designs were high quality and i only chose and paid for one and i feel like the others spent a lot of time you know doing things that i didn't pay for but oh, I ended up with a great, I I, you know what I mean? Like I ended up with a great logo. I think I, I love my logo. So I really think I, I did well.
0: Oh, it looks yeah. great. Yeah. it's So I see. So that means people do work
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they know they're taking a risk and they might not get paid. Yeah. In fact, there's a higher probability that they won't get
1: paid. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if I agree with that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just my, my brain's just processing that at, at the moment. I feel bad, so. but
1: look, I yeah. I was oh. really, I mean, I hope that I was nice and like I thanked every one of them individually. And like I said, you did a great job. I really liked what you did and explain why I chose, you know, the one that I did and and yeah, like I felt bad, but but I ended up with a good logo. Anyway, 99designs yeah. is quite well known mm-hmm. platform for design. Listen, this is our second episode, and I'm not going to make a huge introduction about you because I'm going to redirect people to listen to the first one so that they can get the full picture. But I want to say Mm -hmm. it's been, oh my gosh, I'm terrible with maths, uh, 15 years since we first met. Can you believe it? Yes. It's, It's been that long. And I think the reason why we have so much respect for each other's work is because uh, we both come from a a similar place of servant leadership style. I think, you know, I really, Mm. we have different styles of coaching. We have different styles of clients. We have different, you know, you do more consulting than I do, but we care a lot about what we do and we're passionate about what we do. And you and I are privileged to, do what we want to do. <laughs> you know, that is such a privilege, right? To actually enjoy what we do and have fun doing it. And, you know, from time mm. to time, things go not so good. <laughs> But we've, you know, you've been doing this for way longer than I do. And I look up to you in terms of resiliency and grit and your ability to always be coming up with something new and exciting for your own practice, because you don't want to stop Mm. and just do the same thing over and over again. So now you wrote this book, Yes for Success, and I want to know all about it. I mean, I know a little bit about it because I read some chapters already. But I I want you to explain to the listeners, why did you write a second book? It wasn't that long ago that you wrote wrote Leadership Matters. So why did you feel the need to write Yes for Success?
0: So it's actually my third book because my first book was in 2010. I should know that because
1: I know I have a testimonial on that one too. (laughs) Oh, God.
0: You do, That's And that was focused on young professionals. So then Disruption Leadership Matters was two years ago just now. It was, in fact, not quite. the, The 21st of November 2021 was when that book came out. But Yes for Success was largely written 10 years ago.
1: Mm.
0: And it was... where. So where it came from, since 2013, I've had an online program called Yes for Success, which is about life planning and life balance and life harmony and execution and supporting through execution. And in 2010, I started facilitating live workshops of that largely through... Monash University, and in particular, the Monash Business School. And over a period up until 2018, I had over 7,500 people go through that
1: program. Wow, that's a lot of people.
0: Yeah, to rave reviews. And I, I always had, I needed to write the book. Now, I'd created the online version of the program. And that includes transcripts for all of the 10 modules. So those transcripts are, in fact, the basis of the 10 chapters there's now 11 chapters in the book, but they formed the basis of the book. And I was always going to go and use those transcripts to write Yes for Success. However, starting with transcripts turned out to be harder than starting with a blank sheet of paper, because transcripts don't really line up for a, a correct book very well, because they're just what you say. And because of the way I speak, it's not particularly grammatically correct or any of those sorts of things. So it turned out that it was uh, quite a dilemma. So then it still comes to your question, well, well, why yes for success and why now? And the truth is, is that because of what happened to my business in the first week of the pandemic, which after, after which I wrote Disruption Leadership Matters, Lessons for Leaders from the Pandemic and and I took uh, the opportunity to practice what I preach in Yes for Success to look for opportunity when bad things happen. And 90% of my business stopped in five days. In five business days, 14 years of work came to a screeching halt. Now, some of the things that I believe in that Michelle, that's my wife and I have practiced, is having a financial backup plan, which we had to execute. But to be brutally honest, we weren't expecting that we would need to execute that for multiple years like we ended up having to do. And I had to go back to practising exactly what I preach in Yes for Success to get us back from the brink, so to speak, yes. and to, you know, lead our family through that challenging time, seven people living in the same household through the pandemic, you know, young adults through to, you know, not quite teenage, you know, still, still in their single-digit age group. You know, it was a, it was an extremely challenging time as it was for people all around the world but i really had to put into practice what i preach mm. and yeah. it works it's worked again like it's we're back and renata so basically on the 1st of june of this year i michelle and i just agreed i have to write this book and as i've done with the other books i just set a date which was the date being the month of November. I have to have this book out by the month of November. Wow. And in technically, we had the Kindle version out by October. So a lot of it was written, and I've been extremely busy with my business as a result of putting into practice what I preach in the book. But equally, Renata, something that's really, really struck me, and I don't know if it's the pandemic that's brought it to the surface or not, but I just... I'm engaged with so many people that just don't believe they're extraordinary.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And as, as I explain in the introduction, when our first son, Liam, was born, um, coming up to 24 years ago in January, um, he, he got stuck after 17 hours of worth of labour, so we ended up having to have a caesarean section. And then when they're stitching up Michelle after the Caesar... I found myself after they checked Liam and he had all these different parts and they wrapped him up and all of a sudden I'm in a room on my own with my brand-new son. And, and I'm looking at him and was he extraordinary? Yeah. And the answer is 100% he was, yes, absolutely extraordinary. And it's like my job as your parent is to help you be extraordinary for mm. the rest of your life, to help guide you and encourage you and this isn't, this isn't saying he's better than anyone else in the world because I, I genuinely believe everyone's born is extraordinary. And a, a friend I've made this year is this wonderful human being called Nick Yerhart who lives in Austin, Minnesota. Now, he was born dead. He was revived after birth and a year later they discovered that he had cerebral palsy as a result of the complications his body went through when he was born. And Nick's now just turned 31 years of age, and he's been a you know, he's been driving waste trucks in the USA for a long, long time now. But he's now become a coach in building people's confidence, and he he taught himself through his own research how to stop his stutter, yeah. how to speak more clearly. I mean, he moves and he shakes. And, and Nick was born extraordinary too, even though he was actually born not alive like the rest of us. And I guess. A big driver for me is I want to help people reignite that understanding that we are all actually extraordinary, no matter how we were born or what we were born with. And the world needs whatever that is. The world needs it. Our families need it. Our communities need it. And to help give people a framework to work out whatever that answer means for them. So I definitely do not preach that I have the answer for anybody other than myself. But I do believe that 10 steps that I take people through enable people to not only define success, life harmony, and happiness for themselves, but to be clear about how to bring that to life literally day to day, because I think you can't have a a life where happiness is all tomorrow. You know, do this and do this and work this and do that. And, and happiness will come tomorrow. Well, what if it doesn't? What if what if something happens to you and you, you don't? So I believe it has to be a combination of some clarity about where you're going and what that looks like for you, but also the awareness, Renata, to be able to celebrate so many of the small successes that bring happiness along the way that I think a lot of people are not noticing now because it's so easy to get sucked into the negativity that is just floods our social media, floods our TVs, floods our news, floods our advertising. Like, one of the things I teach people is you got to feed your brain positivity deliberately.
1: Now, I want to talk about that and about mental models and feeding that positivity. But one thing that stuck with me Mm -hmm. when I wrote some extracts from your book is this idea, the analogy of the iceberg, of one's behaviors. I'd love for you to expand on that and how you came up with this idea. This idea that sometimes just something visible picks up, (laughs) you know, it peeps out of the water and you can, you know, identify some minuscule behavior that you're showcasing to the world but beneath the water there is this massive iceberg that people can't see and I found that hmm. so interesting to talk about, you know, because you can use that in both ways. You can use that to understand why things are not working for you or why things are working for you, right? Depending on the behavior yeah. that is yeah. peeping out, you know, at the top there. So tell me about what that meant to you and how you use that to educate your students that go through the Yes for Success program.
0: Yes, so you know, with the executives and the corporates and the the, the organisations that I do within, top of because what, what was interesting is when I was doing a lot of yes for success, they were actually graduate students mm. mostly through that period. So they were people doing MBAs and masters type programs, and and some of them have actually become lifelong clients. So. The, the idea there is that our behaviour is, is like the visible part of an iceberg above the waterline, which we know is one-third of the iceberg, as you were just, just, just describing, Renata. But below the waterline are our mental models, our theories about how the world works, and those theories have come about as a result of our upbringing, our nationality, our religion or no religion, our schooling, whether we've traveled or not, our experience of leadership and our organizations and community and trauma and all these sorts of life experiences contribute to whatever our mental models might be. But they're mostly subconscious for most people. So they are below the waterline and they are deep below the waterline. Some of them are very, very deep. So one of the ones that I, I talk about is And I'm not saying this in any way, shape or form to um, talk badly of any religion or anything like that. But the religion I was raised in, we were taught that it was harder for a rich person to get into heaven than it is for a camel to get through Mm -hmm. the eye of a needle. That was, I I can still remember being in church and hearing that and going, gosh, it's bad to be wealthy. You know, this mental model gets formed and then, you know, for long periods of your life, it's, it's as if. Anyone that is wealthy must have done it in a bad way. They're actually not going to heaven, right? Now, I'm not, now, <laughs> many decades later, you know, to be brutally honest, I still struggle with that mental model. It was so deep, right? Now, I don't agree with it because one of the things that I've learned and, and one of the things that we're able to do through the pandemic is we were literally able to support directly support a family in indonesia that we'd only come across because the the husband had been our driver when we were in bali and he's and i remember reaching i reached out to him at the start of the pandemic because we heard how bad things were in countries like indonesia so how, how are you doing all the businesses cars have been taken off from off them from the banks within two weeks of the start of the pandemic not only was it their family but their village Excellent who sort of all relied on this family one way or another for ripple effect of work mm. had nothing. And so while we was, you know, as I said, 90% of my business went out of the out the door, but we were able to support that family and in, in a ripple effect version, help that village for two and a half years. Now if you're not wealthy enough, you can't do that. You know, literally the the thousands of school children that we've been able to support with food in India in regions where the children effectively have grown up on rubbish tips and the food they get uh, through um, buy one, give one is through their school. So the parents send their children to school to get food and that's, that's why we're in that project because not only do they get food but they get educated and those poor children born into that set of circumstances through no fault of their own, Renata, their only chance probably is education to break free of what they were yeah. born into, right? So we pay for the food to give them the education. You know, I don't know how many thousands of meals we provided over the journey, but, again, you can't do that if you're not wealthy enough to do it. And I'm not saying everyone has to be wealthy, it's, but in Yes for Success, it's about, well, what does your life that you want that brings you harmony and happiness which can include your contribution to other people from a financial mm-hmm. point of view your charities and those sorts of things if you don't know what that is how can yes. you create it?
1: I love that one of the reasons why I like it so much it's because it explained it gave me also a framework and analogy to use with my clients because many mm. times there will be a situation where somebody is stepped on the shoulder for a promotion or they are told to apply for a job because they think, you know, somebody thinks that they would be a suitable candidate and they think they're not, right? Or Mm. a different situation is when they are made redundant. Like, you know, unfortunately quite a few of my new clients were at the end of 2023 as we're recording this end of year is usually redundancy time. And I have a few new clients that have been made redundant and they react very differently from each other. I'd say that the most common reaction is one of grief, anger, sadness, Mm. destitution. They feel like they've been left behind or kicked out of their tribe Mm. and and they 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 show that behavior as they approach recruiters for not for other opportunities and you know we we need to sort of work on that behavior and understand the iceberg that lies underneath before they go to market right so you've given me this great metaphor that i can use to talk to people and say all right this is what you're showing i want to understand why you're showing that behavior so that that's a great way yes. of um, starting a conversation with them. And then I want to talk to you about those mental models, right? And why they're so crucial for professionals, especially the sort of professionals that listen to this podcast who are usually at a crossroad. They don't know if they want another job, mm-hmm. if they want a better job, if they want to maybe career change and do something else. You know, when you're between opportunities, between jobs, it gives you chance to think about what you want in life, right? And the mental models are mm. hugely influential in people's ability to take risks, you know, their risk appetite and their abilities to, you know, maybe do something that they've always wanted to do. Will they have the courage to pursue the, their genes? What, what do you think about that, Gary? I'd love to hear your views.
0: Well, this is, again, a large reason for why I've written Yes for Success and and people have to start with assessing their mental models and and the work that you and I do is we literally help raise the iceberg out of the water so you, you can look at your theories and it's not about whether their theories are right or wrong, it's are they useful? So if someone says, I really want to do this over here, but, and then they've got this whole list of buts, well, all those buts are just mental models that are actually forming resistance. So I also talk about this, this concept of resistance, which is stopping them and they're allowing it to stop them. They're actually, they're stopping themselves. No one else is. They're stopping themselves from having a go at creating what they actually believe they want. And so what I want to encourage people to do is, is, is you know, get focused on what you want and unpack your mental models, work out the theories that are really just getting in the road. And my one of my heroes, Chris Ardras, he says that real learning is when you shift or change or adopt a new mental model, a new theory. That's what real learning really is, is that you actually recognise, I have this theory that was not working for me. Okay. You know, I, I'm working with someone at the moment that is absolutely certain in their own mind that they don't get an an endorphin kick from goal achievement. Hmm. And so that's that's why I, I don't really have goals. And yet when we unpack their life, there's been goals all along. But because of their mental model about what they think other people are getting when they achieve a goal, that somehow they think they don't get it, that therefore goals don't aren't, you, aren't relevant for them. And then this person's a parent. I said, well, what are your goals for your children? And they said, what do you mean? I said, well, do you want your children to grow up and end up in jail for the rest of their life? And they said, no, of course not. I said, do you want your children to be healthy? Do you want them to have careers in whatever they want to be having careers in? And they said, yes, of course I do. I said, well, that sounds like a goal. <laughs> So, what are you you parenting now in a manner that will help manifest that for them? Because it doesn't start when they turn eighteen. This starts when they're born.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, and one of the and one see one of the other couple of the other reasons why I wanted to write yes for success, Renata, is not just for the actual reader, but certainly for parents, for them to have some clear strategies about the sorts of conversations they could be having with children of all ages. And, and and particularly understanding mental models, because what if you could influence the mental models of a child that you're the parent of now that will hold them in good stead throughout their whole life? Particularly in the social media age where there's so there is potentially so much praise, but also so much mm. criticism. Right. And and equally we you might people might know people that are literally floating along or lost and they don't know how to help them. Well, part of the reason why I wrote Yes for Success is to give some people the tools to be able to have conversations with people that might be floating along or lost to actually help them. And again, understanding mental models. And it's fascinated me, Renata, how many professional people... I, I was just in a meeting just last week with with uh, four people who are doctors, got PhDs, who'd never heard of the concept. And I was a, I was quite surprised. I said, have you got a different different name for it maybe? have you, You've heard of it? And they just said no. I was like, okay, let's let's unpack it then. This is what it is. It would be a good
1: <laughs> idea to unpack it here as well. Then, so what are mental models? Are there? Do you have like a framework with different types? Is one better than the other? How do you help people navigate if they're if, if a mental model is getting in the way of them achieving success or happiness? How do they navigate out of that?
0: So the, the there is a couple of. Indicators for what mental models might be. And the first one is your behavior, what you actually do. Your behavior is indicative of your mental models. So if if health and fitness is important to you, you're probably taking action around your food intake and your physical activity You're probably doing work on your mental health and you're probably doing work on your spiritual health, however you might choose to design that. That would be observable and recordable, yeah? Now, you might not be able to verbalise your theories until you hear an episode like this, but if you're doing that sort of stuff, you've got a theory of some sort that tells you to do it. So, for example, when people turn up to a voluntary program of any sort, which I'm, I think some of your sessions, for example, people can voluntarily turn up initially. Yes. Is that right, Renata? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So those folk are displaying through that behaviour of turning up when we both know lots of people register but then don't show right. up, right? So and and, and certainly in some of my clients, like the universities, where they are paying on behalf of the students and the students register but then only a third of them turn up. The ones that are turning up are showing a shared mental model that they believe that whatever advertising they saw, that this was going to benefit them in some way. There's a theory there, a mental model, that this session in some way is going to benefit mm-hmm. me and that's why I've shown up. Yes. Does that make sense? So our your behaviour is a very strong indicator for your mental models. The second one, which is not as strong but quite strong, is your language, particularly your self-talk. Mm-hmm. The way you speak about yourself is a very strong so for example, one of those people I was mentioning a bit earlier was said that I'm, you know, was was kept saying, Oh, I'm horribly lazy. I'm horribly lazy. But that was part of excusitis, as I call it, <laughs> for not doing things that they had supposedly committed yeah. to doing. But they've got this yeah. mental model, this theory about them themselves, a very deep one in this person's case, that mm. they're lazy. So what they do is they then match their behavior to their language. Yes. So one of the things with our mental models, and, and your, your audience will, be, will understand this for sure, Renata, is us human beings like to be right. Yeah. Anyone that has a life partner knows this to be true.
1: (laughs) Yes.
0: (laughs) We like to be right. So what we do is we go and seek evidence or create evidence for ourselves that matches whatever our mental models might be. So if we have self-talk that's negative, we will behave in a way consistent with that negative self-talk to create the very negative outcome that maybe we don't, well, probably we don't want but because we say it we create it.
1: Yes. Gary, that that's fantastic. I I've been thinking a lot about this very thing because of the work that I do, right? So the the language in fact shows up and denotes or correlates to your mental model in the way that you write your cover letter for your job application. In the way that you talk about yourself when you're answering interview questions, in the way that you walk into an interview and walk out and what you say as you walk in and you walk out, those are like important touch points. And when I do interview preparations with clients, when they book consultations with me or when they work with me ongoing, that's usually what we work on. Right. So mm. in a way, if it's a consultation, we kind of have to re-engineer that because I don't have a, I don't have the bottom of the iceberg to look into because it's only an hour. Right. Like, But I know it's That's not right. going to get them the job if they use that language and if they approach with that attitude. But if I if I'm working with a client ongoing, you know, three months, six months, private coaching, then then we can address the bottom of the iceberg and it provides a whole boost of it's not just confidence it's courage really for them to go through those very stressful anxiety inducing moments which are part of the recruitment and selection process
0: that's the powerful place i mean that's the value of 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 being coached properly of going through that proper journey you can't take a sheep dip Mm. into this you have to do the work you folk have to slow down and spend the time on themselves and i know that's not popular in the modern world i mean the modern world is just full of everything has to be yeah. in bites and absolutely a lot of a lot of things in the world can be but ultimately there's there are times when we just need to slow down and really contemplate ourselves and get to understand ourselves and understand our mental models because that's when the inside and the power can come from. And I'll give you a concrete demonstration of this, okay? I am so convinced with my mental model that when bad things happen or things I wish didn't happen happen to me, that I know I will look for the opportunity. I'm not saying in any way, shape or form, I will deny any trauma or anything that might come with it. But I know at the same time, I have trained myself to have the mental model to ask the question, okay, what is the opportunity here? What is the opportunity? When I get surprised by things, it's like, okay, what's the opportunity? Now, I did that with writing Disruption Leadership Matters when the pandemic came. You know, again, the opportunity for, for the book. In fact, also... When I was talking with a lot of people, in fact, giving away copies of Disruption Leadership Matters to parents at the local junior football club where we've been involved for 15 years. But because of a hip replacement surgery, I hadn't been there this year. And I went to give it away and the club president was happy for me to give it away. And I had 50 books that were given to me for free because the print my printer had made an error. And as a result of fixing the error, which was greater than I ended up with 50 books that I didn't pay for. So I'm thinking, how can I give them away? And I'm at the club, and the president's, you know, bookended me really well after the coaches have spoken about the children. There's 350 people there, lots of mums and dads. I, I'm not a bad salesperson, Renata, but I couldn't give away 50 books. I could only give away 32, and parents were standing there, good people, like standing there with their children, saying out loud, "Remember, mental models are reflected in our language." Gary, this sounds really interesting, but I don't read. Gary, this sounds really interesting, but I don't read. And my my then 12-year-old son, his jaw was like this. He's looking at me. What? They don't read? And I'm also thinking, particularly for the men, because I know this to be true with conversations with them, I know you read your betting app, so I know you read. <laughs> right? So... You know, I didn't want to, of course, I was respectful and I wasn't going to say anything in front of their children in any way, shape or form or, you know, try to push them to take a book. So it's literally a five-minute drive home, Renata, and on the way home, I, again, I'm like, all right, that was a surprise. That's not how I expected that to go. I didn't expect to have 18 out of 50 books still in the box. Hmm, what, what can I do? And straight away, I thought, you know what, they're not telling me they don't read. Of course they read. What they're saying is they just don't read a physical book. They're not going to read a traditional book for because whatever reason, I bet you a lot of them their mental model is readings for school and I didn't like schools, so I don't read. That's the like mental models actually get stacked on each mm-hmm. other as well. So they've shut themselves off onto the world of reading, right? And I don't know. If you know people like I have in my life who could not read as an adult, who would give anything to be able to read. You would never say I don't read anyway. So that's the. So then I said, well, actually, I own the I own the Audible and the Kindle versions, but I also own my own ebook and my own audiobook versions that aren't Audible and aren't Kindle. I can give them away for free. So what if I give that book to them for free for the people at the football club? The people that had said that they don't read, Renata. And then immediately my brain went with this idea of what's the opportunity here. How many other people in the world think the same thing? Who maybe scrolling and reading won't feel like reading or listening won't feel like leading. Why don't I just give away 10,000 copies? And as we record now, people in 21 countries around the world have taken up that opportunity.
1: So you've given away the Kindle version or the Audible version? What did you give away?
0: I've given away my ebook right. version that's okay. not Kindle and my audiobook version that's the same I- quality. In fact, the same files, but not, but not audible. Okay, portable. okay. It's, people can So we can have a really.
1: link in the episode show notes if anybody wants. Yes,
0: yes they can. They can. get that <laughs> as well. I've already so, given and, and them and a link.
1: I, I remember we discussed this maybe last year, but I'll do yes. it. I'll do it again for this episode for sure.
0: Well, well, that free one has only happened this year. That that mm. only happened. So that would have been a year after our previous conversation renata so but again that's just that's just clarity of mental models you know and i've you know i'm happy for people to get that for free so
1: you're I, basically you know, saying that some you people- know you you take the feedback and you come up with alternatives and you come up with options and you come up with um, better understanding instead of sort of shutting yourself out to the world and and receiving feedback as negative, you say, okay, what is this telling me about the world and how can I reach out in a different way? Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah. Well, how, yes, and how, how do I need to adapt? What do I need to do differently? Like that's a set of mental okay. models though for me to take that attitude. So you could imagine despite having spent 14 years on my business when 90% of it walked out out the door at the start of the pandemic, you know, and, and then – six weeks goes by and eight weeks and then things start trickling back in, but it's nowhere near where it was the pressure to, well, do I just go get another job? So when, when something quite large happens like that, what, what happens is our vision gets tested. Now my answer to that question was, no, I don't want to get a job. (laughs) I want this to work, but I need to, I need to change. I need to adapt. I need to find a different way. I need to have different services. I need to build my business into the future so that if there's anything like a pandemic, 90% of it can't walk out in five yeah. business days. Because now I didn't know a pandemic was going to come, but the, the facts are, and the brutal facts were, my business was not protected against yes. something like and
1: that. And many jobs it and wasn't. careers yeah, weren't that's... protected as well. So you can draw a line between what happened to you to what happened to marketing managers and financial people and engineers and HR professionals, that tech professionals that lost their jobs during the pandemic and were unemployed for months if not years because there just wasn't a job market to go back to. And what you want to learn from this crisis that we've experienced in our careers and in, in our businesses, we, we need to be able to withstand and have patience and understand that there's nothing wrong with us, but there is opportunity for continuous improvement, or learning, adaptation to a different environment, and just understanding that it's partly things that we can do and partly waiting for the environment to pick up as well.
0: Yeah, now this part is controversial and some people get a bit triggered by what I'm about to say and that is that when these things happen to me, my choice is that I take responsibility for the circumstances Mm -hmm. I'm in. I choose that I am now responsible for what happens now. And I was equally responsible for what happened, for putting myself in that situation. The truth is in my business is that from 2019, sorry, from 2017 to the pandemic, the business was flying along, but I got comfortable. I got comfortable. And the pandemic came and bit me on the leg and said, this is what happens to people who get comfortable when they think yeah. they've made it. Right. And, and you know, that will never happen again. I will never let that happen again. I will continue. And look, the the hard work and the action that you have to take, I, that gets me up and about. I actually, I love that. I, people say to me, Gary, how many hours a week do you work? I have no mm. idea. It's not something I even remotely count. Mm. It's just, I mean, because it's my research is is that. Is that work? Is this interview work? Yeah, like, Would I prefer to be doing this interview than sitting in front of the TV watching, I don't know, the news? I can promise you. i much prefer to be here with you, Renata.
1: <laughs> well, especially these days. <laughs> the news is just so sad and That's horrible. Right. Look, before we go, I need to address this with you because I think it's so important. It's this idea you mentioned before about the shared mental models when the students that came mm. had the shared mental model. and So much of the dissatisfaction in the workplace these days has to do with what I believe is shared mental models that are just different from what you would expect to see in a workplace what you would want as your personal values not being aligned with the company's values the culture that you would expect to see in the workplace not being there for you not supporting you and your colleagues managers that don't know how to manage i think the pandemic has exacerbated bad management Mm -hmm. and micromanagement and you know the inability of leaders to engage with a hybrid workforce, and and I think, you know, it's something that we need to address. So how can that understanding of mental models improve workplaces, professional relationships, team dynamics? What are you doing working with your corporate clients to to address that and educate them?
0: Well, we... We have to do the work, and this is what I spend, you know, I'm very fortunate I get to work with large teams, whole groups of leaders, and and it's around this idea that it's not possible to not have an organisational culture, right? So if you're going to have a culture no matter what, is it better to have the culture that just happens to be there or is it better to have a culture that you deliberately and collectively create? Now, the answer is pretty obvious, the one you collectively, deliberately create is going to be better for everybody than the one you just happen to get. Now, what that means is you've got to put some time and effort in with the people, with the leaders to talk about, well, what does that culture actually look like and what are some fundamental shared mental models, shared policies, shared procedures, shared structures that we need to put in place to enable that culture to be manifested. Yeah. And And unless you do that work, you will actually get the culture you just get. And that is causing insurmountable damage to people in the workplace that you would witness in your work, and I certainly witness it in mine. I mean, it's extraordinary that we have a circumstance where the average age of a leader being trained as a leader is nearly 47 years of age now. It used to be 42 in 2012. It's actually gone mm-hmm. up. And that's through research through Jack Zenger and his partner, business partner Falkman with Harvard. And it's, it's, it's just outrageous that people are leading because they're still leading in their early 30s in many cases. And obviously that's an average. So people are often, you know, got formal leadership roles well before that but we still have this underlying mental model structurally Renata where the only way I can earn more money in many instances is to become yes. a manager. When that's wrong it's it's wrong for me and it's wrong for my skill set but in the ever increasingly expensive world we need we live in people need to have opportunities to earn more money and so we have a structure in place. Now, human beings through their mental models have created these structures. Human beings did it. when No one else did it. We invented these structures where the only way you can earn more money is to become mm-hmm. a manager. Why can't we? Now, there are organisations that are doing this, but there's still few and far between, Renata, where why can't we pay people for their value of their technical skills if that's what they've got? And why can't we pay people for the value of their of their people and leadership skills, if that's what they're bringing to the table, why can't they be the similar or the same? And why can't people have people reporting to them that earn more than them? Why does it have to be the other way around? Like
1: Well, funny story so for you. I have clients all over the world and I have clients mainly in the US that when they start a new job, they have this amazing onboarding situation where they're offered mentoring to progress internally in one of two ways. You can either progress and become a team leader, a manager and take leadership roles where you would be responsible for other people. Or you could go down the path of being promoted for your expertise, and you would, you know, become more of an mm-hmm. expert in your field, not not necessarily managing people. And I would say half a dozen of clients of mine that have been offered this in, you know, the, the Pacific Coast of the U.S., where things are trendy yeah. and hip, and and all the things and. They still, I think because of their mental models, they still choose the managing people because in their minds, that that looks and sounds more like the career advancement to them. Even if they're being offered career progression and advancement in two different ways, they're still opting to manage people because in, in our minds, if you manage others, you're a leader.
0: And that's a status yeah. issue. Okay. So and and I talk about this in Disruption Leadership Matters, Renata, where being a mammal, status is part mm-hmm. of our makeup, which is why we it's it's why when you walk into a room of strangers, you instantly know where you fit. Think about it. Whenever you walk into a room of strangers, could be a party, could be a could be a business experience. You straight away you know where you fit, and you'll do one of two things for sure. You'll either behave accordingly to fitting in because you go, okay, this is where I fit, and I'll behave that way. Or if you reject where you believe that group has you fitting, you will you will behave in a manner that that matches rejecting it, and you will uh, be a bit uppity yeah. <laughs> and a bit disruptive with your behaviour, it'll only be one or two ways. But this happens instantaneously because, and that's part of our evolution mm. as a mammal. So status, so again, if you don't have, if you've never done the work or got exposed to conversations like this where you get to learn that, hey, I actually have these mental models, it's very, very hard to be able to say, well, is that really what yeah. I want? Do I really need that? Mm. Does it really matter? Can Can I be like Nick, Earhart? the cerebral palsy warrior and confidence coach who looks himself in the mirror every day and says out loud to himself, I love you, Nick.
1: We all need to do that. <laughs> I share that with him. yeah,
0: I, And I know he does it. I, I, I meet with Nick every every uh, Saturday morning here in Australia. And I know he does it. And, you know, I say that to people. I go, I couldn't, I couldn't say that. I, I couldn't look at myself and say out loud that I love myself. I go, why not? Well, you know, the, who who does that? People <laughs> that mm. love themselves. Yeah, but that's all. Isn't that bad to love yourself? I go really. Who taught you yeah. that? <laughs> no. You know, do you want? Don't you want your children to of love course. themselves? They probably to-
1: do, and then they unlearn it over the years. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, and the, and these are the things that 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 people. There's so much that we're holding ourselves back on ourselves. And you you would see it so much in your own work. And and what's brilliant about our work, Renata, is when when people have these breakthroughs and they go and do things that they didn't think was yeah. possible. Like, you know, I, I've 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 it wasn't a deliberate strategy or anything, but I was asked to coach a, a person who was a very reluctant leader,
1: mm.
0: a very, yeah. very a very reluctant leader in her late 40s. But once she committed to leading this team of her peers and she knew it was going to be difficult, was in an acting scenario where, unfortunately, there was uh, some issues with mental health with the actual leader. And and this went on for 18 months. And she was offered coaching, and I, I was providing her some leadership coaching. And she just blossomed. Like, she just... Took it on. Now, some of the staff she was leading didn't really like the fact that she blessed Right. right. But then eventually, which was always a possibility, the person that had the substantive role Retail. came back, was decided to come back. And this leader was supposed to go back to their old job. And they went, I don't want to go back to my old job. I want to lead people. I. I now, this person who... A year and a half earlier, would have never, ever in a million years, Renata, gone for jobs three levels higher than what she was doing. And now she's in a different different organization, leading in a position three levels higher on nearly twice the income. Wow. And because she only because she addressed her own mental models about herself and then took action and said, you know what. I'm just going to be the best that I can be. I'm going to learn. I'm going to embrace the fact I will make some mistakes along the way, but I will learn mm-hmm. from them. You know, I'm not deliberately making mistakes. And the, the those mental models, when we develop them, are so, so powerful. We do not have to be perfect. And everyone is learning. And just on that last point is too many people in the workplace, from my experience, Renata, give up responsibility for their learning to their organisation. And the bigger the organisation is and largely the better the organisation is at developing people, the more people tend to give up responsibility for their Mm -hmm. own learning, which sounds like that's not a problem except for when it becomes a problem when they get that redundancy letter And and they've actually not been responsible for their learning. I say to people, please, please, please adopt the mental model Like anyone listening right now, if you're not doing this, please, from today forward, please do this. Adopt the mental model that you are 100% responsible for your Mm. learning. You be proactive with your learning and take anything your organisation gives you as a bonus. And good organisations will give you fantastic bonuses. But if your mental model is that I am responsible for my development... You will be reading what you need to read. You'll be listening to the sorts of podcasts you need to be listening to. You'll be taking courses on the side that you might even pay for yourself to enable you to have the the skills and attributes and characteristics and capacity to do whatever it is you want to be able to do to be valuable in the world.
1: Yes, now that's a great way to end this conversation. I wish we could go on forever. (laughs) But I, I think that reading your book will make my job so much easier. You know, if my clients read your book, if the listeners of this podcast read the book, because the Job Hunting Podcast exists to educate people on the importance of what you just said, taking control over your learnings, you know, I would expand that to taking control over your career, your professional development, your career advancement, it belongs to you, it does not belong to your employer or to anybody else, you should do with it whatever you want to do it, not what your parents told you 30 years ago, not what you, you know, think society expects of you now, it's whatever you want to do, we are quite privileged in 2023 that we can make those choices, it may not happen next year, but if you invest, three years, five years, it may really be transformational for you. So I think I can't wait for my copy to arrive so that I can read all of it. (laughs) And I thank you again for coming in and sharing with us. You know, you're always so inspirational, so inspiring, and you have such great energy as a podcast guest. I hope that you (laughs) not only are very successful with your own podcast, which I'll link in the episode show notes below if people want to check it out, but I hope that you get access to other shows as well to promote your book and the work that you do Gary thank you so much for being here today
0: and thank you Renata and I love your work and if folks if you haven't picked that up I'm saying it out loud I love Renata's work we're big fans of each other Um, aren't we yeah and it's and it's authentic because and you know this this is another thing like like we're colleagues we're you know we're supporters of each other we don't see each other as being in competition because we're not, the world's well and truly big enough for us, we probably need more folk yeah. like us who are in both of our networks, of course, as yeah. well. So, you know, we, we want people genuinely to be successful and be happy and it's better for our communities. It's better for our society. The more, the more people that are feeling strong in themselves and, and feeling clear, and know why they're doing what they're doing and taking responsibility for their careers and for their learning as you've just said renata the world's actually a better place and i want that for my kids so there is a selfish (laughs) reason
1: (laughs) me too (laughs) all right my friend thank you so much once again
0: no worries thank you